We want to be our best, feel our best and live our best. But achieving our best isn't as cut and dry as do fitness, eat good, get results, happy. To find joy, good health, balance and contentment, we need to show valour. This is valour. Valour is courage. Courage to face challenges, to endure, to struggle, to be exposed to all of your vulnerabilities and to face it all without any certainty of the outcome. On the Valor Podcast, we share the methods, strategies, and ideas that can help us all achieve our very best. This is Valor. G'day, guys. We are back for some more Valor Podcasts. Today, we've got a beautiful member of ours, Kate Keller Beatons. She's just the loveliest human, and she's got a really, really nice story to tell. Um... I think I've done a fair amount of podcasts now. I think I've possibly clocked up 80 to 100 episodes uh, over the two podcasts that I've done. And this has probably got to be one of my top five. Um, Chatting to Kate was just so awesome. Um, Her story is amazing. Um, She shares a very open and vulnerable story, sharing her life growing up with a mother that's gay and kind of navigating that that life together, um, at times having two mothers and going to school in an area where that's very much not the norm and at a time, sort of the 90s and 2000s, where you know, some parts it was accepted, some parts it wasn't, some t- part times it was you know, used as a really easy fuel for, for bullying or segregating someone. Um, yeah, it'll, <laughs> you might get a few tears here. It's, um, yeah it's a tough story at times um a little challenge and and that in there but uh, overall just a really beautiful story i couldn't thank kate enough for sharing this with us um takes yeah takes a lot to to sit there and chat about some stuff pretty personal to herself and yeah but yeah it's just amazing um i hope you guys love it um shoot some comments and and especially some love kate's way let us know if you love the app here it is kate keller beatons Kate, how you doing? Good, good. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming on my on this chat with us this morning. It's early too. This is the earliest I've ever done a podcast. It's early bird gets the worm. <laughs> exactly. Um, what I guess we're both early people anyway. I coach a lot of the early classes. You train a lot of the early classes, so. Yeah. I love, no an early, I love an early start. I know, it's almost late. It may as well be lunchtime. Yeah, it's halfway through my day for me. <laughs> it's quarter past seven. <laughs> um, yeah, how's it going? All good. 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 Um, you're pretty... You love your CrossFit. Yep. Love it. How many years now? Two, three? That three. Three, yeah. If you don't count COVID. What's, what do you love about it most? Uh, for me, it's the community. It's... Uh, I guess as we'll kind of get into a bit later, I haven't really had a big community like this before and just having people to keep me accountable um, and just I know that if I come in, no matter what, there's always going to be smiling faces, like welcoming me. And then also, I guess from the fitness perspective, never really been a fit person, um, but there's always something in CrossFit that you can do better and there's always something that you can be really good at and then other things you're not. So there's always a bit of a challenge and a bit of a push. Um, so I just really enjoy, I guess, not being great at everything yep. um, and just learning new skills and having new um, new experiences. It's really cool. I never thought, if you had asked me four years ago, do you think you'd be able to climb a rope? Never, ever. But now it's something I can do quite easily. So just that. 
that growth is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You always just seem to love it. Like, no, you never go, oh, this workout. You sort of, you might be thinking it maybe, but yeah. yeah. (laughs) Internally, I definitely have those thoughts, but I think I'm very big on, um, I guess, and I've learned that through the gym kind of on the outside, almost fake it till you make it. Um, So on the outside, if I'm really positive, eventually on the inside, I'll be positive too. And it'll just make everyone around me positive. It's just better if you just don't say anything. Yeah, Um, yeah, you never look like you struggle. You sort of, yeah, even if you just, yeah, you're always smiling. Yeah. Always ticking away. No, I love it. I love it. That's the key. Everyone always says, how do you get up so early to work out? I said, well, I actually like it. Yeah. It's not hard to get out of bed when you're coming to a gym that you love or you're doing something that you love. It's when it's a chore. That's when it's hard. Yeah. That's when you don't do it. And when you've got other members, people like Aiden, if, he's, if you're listening, shout out. Yep. At 5 a.m. in the morning, this bloke, he, he acts like it's midday. Oh, at yes. 5 in the morning. Yes. He's full of beans. I couldn't imagine <laughs> it being in the house with him at 4 in the morning. <laughs> He'd be running laps. He'd and wake everyone up. Yeah. Couldn't, I couldn't imagine it. I feel sorry for his family sometimes. <laughs> so funny. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll get on with it. Um, I'm really excited to chat to you this morning. I think you've got a really interesting story. Um, we didn't realize until a little while ago that we both grew up in a pretty similar area down in the Mornington Peninsula, myself, Mount Martha, and you in Dramana. Um a lot of people call it the Insular Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of like its own little bubble, its own little world. And you don't realize it's its own little world until you get out of the world. Yep. And then 100%. you go, oh, things are different out here. And I remember myself, like, it's like, if everyone that doesn't know much about the peninsula, it's, it's very, like, middle class, even some upper class, but mainly middle class, working class. But it's, it's rich white people. It's pretty much just wealthy Tradies. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> it is a nice bubble to be in, though. As it's a, a yeah, young it's person. a beautiful part of the world. It's you know just growing up by the beach and all that. It's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, our story will take us down there. And I think when you're in a, a world that's like a bubble where they sort of don't really realise what's outside of that, um, there is a, another side to it. Um, that's you know I didn't realise much about it until I got a bit older. And I was like, oh, okay, things are a bit different until I sort of moved or opened up a gym in Cranbourne which is very multicultural and um, a lot of new families here and stuff it was very very different and uh, it made me realize some more things about the peninsula that you go fuck that place is in a bubble um, but yeah I'll, um, I'll get you to tell us um, your story from the beginning and, and I'll just ask some stuff along the way but um, yeah tell me yeah. What, what's so beautiful and unique about your family <laughs> Um, well, my mum is a lesbian and I guess it's being on the peninsula growing up with two mums and a dad, um, is quite unusual. I didn't actually come across, I haven't, didn't meet anyone on the peninsula that had a similar situation, uh, family wise to me. So it was like, I guess, interesting having not alone, uh, just not even just divorced parents, but then having a gay mum on top of that, um, kind of like just layer on layer uh, as a kid and I guess the interesting thing that I well the thing that I think is really interesting about it is that my mum actually uh, realized that she was gay I guess or came out when she was pregnant with me so it was never really um, weird to me as a kid I thought it was quite normal to have two mums for a while because that's all I knew when I was born it was my mum was there, obviously, my dad was there, and then my mum's partner was there. So 
when it started to get brought up of, why have you got two mums? I didn't realise that was weird until two, a, lot of, a lot of people started asking me about it. Yeah, so, um, so before we go into that, so your mum and dad were together mm-hmm. uh-huh, and then they had you and like you said, at the same time, your mum realised that she's gay. Yeah. And when did she find her partner? Uh, while she was pregnant while she was with pregnant. me. Yeah. yeah, so it was... Uh, Mum always says... We always have a bit of a joke where she says that the pregnancy hormones made her gay. <laughs> and I keep saying to her, but mum, it's been 26 years. You're still gay. So you haven't been pregnant. So <laughs> maybe it wasn't just the pregnancy hormones. But um, yeah, I guess my mum and dad got married in 1990, I'm pretty sure it was. They tried for a really long time to have me and I guess it put a bit of strain on their marriage. Mum met her... A really great friend um, who turned out who was gay and I guess they just hit it off and mum just saw that companionship really loved it and yeah gay ever since I guess yeah. I don't really know the ins and outs too much um, it's not really something that my mum talks about a lot um, I guess it's not something that she's like not a, a time that she's super proud of um, but you know it is what it is and if it means that she can live her authentic life that's that's great as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And so you grew up um, what, predominantly living with your mum mm-hmm. and your dad was nearby? Uh, no, my, so my dad actually lived a lot closer to the city. So we were obviously in Dramana and dad was mostly in Caulfield, but he travelled a lot. Um, so I probably would see him maybe once every six weeks. Yeah. Um, we tried for every fortnight, but he was always travelling for work. So I often didn't see him. But I primarily lived with um, my mum and her partner who lived with us. Yeah. Um, and then that was me. That was how our family situation was. Yeah. So you would have just seen your mum's partner as your mum as well? or your, Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much just like a bonus mum, I guess. <laughs> I, never really, I never really thought about it. I guess it was just so normal to me. Yeah. Um, you know, when I guess kind of how kids play off their parents when mum would say no to me and go to mum's partner and see if I can get a yes <laughs> out of her. Um, and, you know, I always had dad as a backup <laughs> if I needed. So I kind of had that extra step I could go to yeah, to try and get parent. that yes. It yeah. It's totally a bonus parent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when, yeah, and then just like any kid when you're one, two, three years old, four years old, that's just normal. It is what it is. Whatever you grow up with is just, that's just the norm. You yep. don't know the difference between what everyone else is doing and what you're doing and and what is apparently normal. It's just whatever you see is normal. Um, what At what age or at what part did you start to go, oh, hang on, my dynamic is slightly different to everyone else's dynamic? Yeah, it was definitely early primary school um, when, especially when I kind of rocked up to school my first day and got two mums and a dad. Um, it's a little bit unusual, especially for, I guess, five and six-year-olds to kind of process and then their parents on top of that. I could future. imagine their parents like, what? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Like I said, I, th- I imagine I keep kind of talking about the peninsula being insular, but I, I feel like anywhere in the 90s would have been like that. The parents would have, you know, parents, I've, I didn't realize how judgy Aussie parents were in like the 80s and 90s and that yeah. until I look back I'm like fuck they were judgy yeah <laughs> parents can be really judgy I mean they just want the best for their kid but yeah imagine it's just, a just that level. first look like and then they'd look at their friend and be like get a load of this yeah this girl's got two mums and a dad like yeah this is some good coffee gossip let's go <laughs> <laughs> pretty much well, I guess yeah when I started primary school and then obviously had 
so many parents, um, you know, a lot of kids would come up to me and be like, you have two mums. And uh, in the beginning, I didn't really understand what that meant. So I just said, so? Like, what's your point? Yeah, I do. But then it wasn't until, I guess, after I'd heard that so many times, I started to click that, hang on, why doesn't everyone else have two mums? And what's, like, everyone else's mum and dad live together? And I just kind of realised that, oh, hang on, they're not weird, I'm weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I guess that was probably, probably, like, really early primary school, maybe, like, grade one or grade two. Um, I don't, yeah, probably found that six, seven, eight kind of mark when it really started, I guess when I probably started to care what other people thought a bit more. Yeah. Um, the 90s was a time when, when it was also acceptable to insult people by calling them gay mm-hmm. and poofs and things like that. Um, and I know growing up where I grew up in Mount Martha, it was like that was thrown around all the time. And that was pretty normal. Like, oh, you're a poof. Or yep. fuck off, you faggot and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that, that, that got thrown around grade five, grade six sort of level. That was pretty standard. Uh, or that's gay as, things like that. Did that occur in your world or like yeah yeah 100% so tell us was it it probably got thrown I imagine it got thrown around just around you yes off the cuff but tell us about that but then also tell me if it was ever directed towards you as well yeah well I guess so many like yeah all kids at my age as well in your age were just kind of saying yeah oh that's gay if it wasn't something that they thought was the way to be um and I guess I kind of had trouble reconciling that gay is now associated with being something bad or weird or not the norm um, because I guess gay was always the norm for me. So then trying to flip that, especially in um, the later kind of years of primary school, was really tough. And then I guess that's when I started to really like hide my mum's sexuality. And I think my mum kind of saw that and kind of mirrored it. And so we just kind of hid it for a few years. Yeah, Um, okay. Yeah, it was a really interesting time where yeah, Judge's mum would always call her partner her friend, um, things like that. And I would never, ever talk about my mum's partner. Really? Never. Because I just didn't want people to know that... I mean, I didn't really like people knowing that my mum and dad weren't together. But I definitely didn't want them to know that mum had a girlfriend. Right. Um, it's just that shame and that's just brought on by like, yeah, judgment and people throwing the word gay around and, and things like that. Um, yeah... It's so hard to imagine what that would be like when you're someone that's grown up in like the typical, like normal kind of thing. And being someone like myself, I've been pretty lucky growing up. White boy, growing up on the peninsula, very like sporty. My parents were together, well, at least all through primary school, Mm -hmm. not into high school. So I didn't know, didn't experience anything strange or traumatic at all. So... I was never a kid that ever talked nasty or said, I never called anyone gay. I was brought up really not well, which was very, very fortunate for by my parents to be very tolerant and accepting and open to everybody and everyone's way of living. But I heard that stuff thrown away around. And when you're on the side that I was on, you're like, oh, that's just people teasing. That's no big deal. Um, and you heard people throw that to other people, people calling other people fat people teasing other people based on their race. There wasn't much race on the peninsula, but if you were from some other race, like you'd cop, you know, if they were Asian, they'd be a ching. If they were um, Aboriginal or African, they'd be called bung or coon or something. It was thrown around just like it was no big deal. But what's it like to be on the other side receiving that? I imagine it's not just off the cuff 
to cop that sort of shit. Yeah, no, it definitely cut deep. And I guess when you've got your peers and I guess at, you know, later in primary schools when you really start to form yourself, figure out, trying to start figuring out who you are. And then um, when you've got your peers who, I mean, I really relied on the opinions of my peers. Um, I'm sure everyone else did as well. It's just something that you kind of go through. But when they was telling, essentially telling me that gay is bad, but then my mum's gay, and I was like, but my mum's not bad. I love her, but is she doing something wrong? And then you kind of just go through this whole, like, I guess, crisis of, I kind of see it as like a crisis in hindsight of your identity. And then trying to disassociate with your mum is really hard. Mm. Um, it's like, mum's the best person in the world to me. Um, but then when I'm trying not to be associated with her because she's a, like homosexual, like that was really unfair. Um, but then I guess like, I'm so lucky that my mum was super understanding and like helped me get through that. But yeah, that's something I really regret. Yeah. I don't think, I think at that age, like you don't have to feel ashamed for anything like that because you don't know any different. Um, were you guys pretty open like in conversations with each other about that or was there a period where you guys were kind of just hiding it away or blocking it away? Yeah, no, definitely in private. It was something we spoke about all the time and mum used to always say to me, oh, well, when you grow up, you might want a girlfriend. And I used to say to her, no, I want a, a boyfriend and a husband. And she'd be like, oh, maybe. <laughs> and I kind of, I remember it was kind of funny having to sit her down one day and just be like, mum. I want a boyfriend and a husband. I don't want a girlfriend or a wife. She was like, oh, are you sure? You might change your mind. It, this might be a phase. It's kind of like the opposite, yeah, I guess. The of, other um, way yeah, it was, it was really funny. And I guess it was really nice having in private um, this very open, like anything you want. Um, I feel very privileged that I had that um, very, like my mom is super tolerant um, Obviously, being in the um, homosexual community, it's kind of comes with the territory. But um, yeah, any like mum was always whatever you want, it's up to you. There was never any pressure or anything like that. That I know that some other people would have experienced, perhaps the other way. Yeah. Um, so I feel very lucky to have that. Yeah. Did you guys ever have conversations about this? You know, feeling like you guys were different and the sort of sort of unsaid or said bullying or or kind of. The, the feeling that it was wrong, that you guys yeah. were sort of... I definitely tried not to talk to mum too much about the bullying. I know that she felt like she would always feel really bad whenever she found out anything was said to me or if it impacted me, she would feel terrible. Um, but at the same time, you know, we just... There was a period, I guess, kind of that later um, primary school type age going into high school where, like, mum was almost hiding it as well, which then, I guess made me want to hide it more and we just kind of stopped talking about it um mum had broken up with her partner by that time as well so it was a lot easier to hide because we didn't have that other female around mum was single at that time um but it, at the time hiding it felt like the right thing to do especially going into high school but I think in hindsight that's something that I really wish we did differently because yeah there could have been like, I just feel like it could have been so much better if we didn't, if we weren't constantly on eggshells and trying to hide a massive part of my mum's life and my life as well. Yeah, absolutely. And 
I think heading into high school is like the scariest time. Anything that you are insecure about, you hide it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. Which is shit. And I hope that going into the future that that's not going to be a thing. Like I hope with, with Harper, with my daughter, that whatever she's like concerned about, like she can just be honest and be like, hey, look, that's my thing I'm worried about. But like, let's just get on with it. Let's just accept me for me. And I think the world's trying to push in that direction to just accept people for whoever they are. Like it's, it's fine. Like even, you know, when I was just chatting to Truman about the Olympics and how there's a, a, a transgender woman who competed in the weightlifting last night. And there's a lot of controversy about that because she was a man and she's competing against women. And, and I can see that side of it as well. But what I do like about this whole story is there's not, apart from a few assholes, there's not many people denying the fact that she's now a woman. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are accepting her for who she is and all that, which if I, if I would have wanted to go back 20, 30 years to the 90s, fuck, no, imagine that on the news, talking about the Olympics, some transgender. It would, yeah. I, it couldn't, I couldn't have fathomed what would be said and how people would perceive it. But it's, it is going in that direction where, yeah, this, this lady is being accepted for exactly who she is. The only like sticking point is about like whether she should be allowed to compete mm. in weightlifting, <laughs> which, you know, if you've got a lot of testosterone, you're significantly going to be better. So, yeah, it's a, I don't know, it's, it's a weird little story, that one. But what I do like about it is how accepting people are becoming now of, of her for who she is. So I'm hoping that, you know, everything else like that, and I was just telling you before this, I've been listening to a, um, a book called The Hate Race by Maxine Clark, um, and her family is, um, grew, well, her parents were from England, but they're originally all from Jamaica, so um, they're black, and they moved to Australia in, in Sydney, probably like early 80s, and her story is through like primary school and high school. Um, and just the bullying and the and the way that they were treated was so poor. Um, and then same again, we're agreeing that today it's probably still poor, but um, it's a lot better, or at least in the community that we're a part of. Things like race and sexuality and that seems to be a lot better. And even when we wanted to, you know, when I asked you to talk about this, if you wanted to talk about it, and when you told me, there's no shame there. Like you seem very happy and open and comfortable to talk about it today. Definitely. Yeah, I think um, that's definitely come with time as well, as well as, yeah, the, I guess, progression in the community. Um, I also, I guess, in high school, you're kind of forced to be around people you wouldn't really want to associate with day to day. Um, so I guess, you know, I'm really big on choosing right the right people to be in my life. And if that's not something that gels with someone's beliefs or values or whatever, we're just not fit to be in each other's lives as far as I'm concerned. I mean, that's my mum's the most important person to me so you know if you can't accept her you can't accept me as far as I'm concerned yeah and that takes a lot of time um did you ever get seek support or help or whatever back in primary school high school level to sort of not really I guess I was I was too ashamed of it to really reach out um we did have I guess my mum kind of found this really great program I guess it was where it was for single parents with kids um, and so we were a big part of that for a while and we did like camps and things like that so getting to be around other kids that had single parents was really cool and kind of connecting with them on that level because it wasn't something I was really exposed to 
in my childhood. But to add on that layer of having a homosexual parent, um, I just never really found anyone or any place that I felt comfortable when I was younger talking about it or opening up about it. Um, I was just something that I wanted to ignore. And I guess it probably wasn't great to do that in hindsight. Um, But it's just the way that I coped with it. And it just kind of acted like it wasn't a problem for a while. Yeah. Did you have like a good group of friends in that through high school? I I did. I um, had a pretty good group of friends for a few years there. But um, I guess we just over time just drifted apart. And I just kind of... I've. Very, I'm very quick to go into my shell and isolate myself, um, especially when I was younger. I was definitely quick to do that because I was so used to just handling everything on my own. Yeah. So um, I had, I did have a really good group of friends, but I guess we weren't really deep friends, um, like compared to the friends that I have now. I mean, some of them are the same friends from high school, which is awesome. We got this really deep connection, but in high school, I just kept it super surface. Yeah, um, and is that because of you sort of trying to sort of shelter your, your shame in your home life? I think so, yeah, definitely. I mean, there was so many things that, especially as a teenager, trying to process um, who you are and figure out who you are and then also at the same time not de- dealing with, I guess, my mom's sexuality is probably the wrong way to put it, but having that as at an At that extra, age, that's probably how you'd see it though. Yeah, yeah, and just having that as like a layer on top of it um, that... Yeah, it was just something that I just didn't want to ex- talk to anyone about. I just, I love being a very like happy-go-lucky person. I, I like to be seen that way. So um, when I was younger, if there was something going on, I would never tell anyone. This, I imagine like every situation you sort of come across before the situation would start in your head that would sort of be like, okay, how do I navigate this? Definitely. There was always, I kind of almost had a script that I followed on if someone started to ask about, my mom or what was going on I cut like we always just had this kind of alternate storyline that we always told around oh that's my mom's friend or their business partners or things like that um so I guess it kind of it ended up being quite easy to skirt around the truth um and then we just kind of I guess one day it kind of broke away and we just stopped doing it. But during high school, um, especially because I was going to a Catholic high school as well, something my mum was quite insecure about um, and just having to kind of navigate that. We just kind of had a script we followed. It was an unspoken kind of thing that we just did. Yeah. Okay. So you went to a Catholic high school (laughs) in the 90s. On the peninsula. (laughs) 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 Whose decision was that? (laughs) Um, (laughs) well, so I started off in high school by going to Frankston High, which, um, was really eye-opening for me coming from the peninsula. Um, it was such a massive school. Great school. Yeah, so diverse. I I only just, you know, met a few people there and, you know, competed in sport against people there. They're always so good, but Frankston cops a bad rap. But Frankston High School is excellent. Yeah, no, yeah. it was it had a great, just great sports program. Not that I was interested in that. <laughs> um, great music program, which I was really interested in. Um, a really diverse people, just a massive. It's such a massive school. Um, it was really cool, but I guess I really struggled going from the peninsula to a tiny, from a primary, uh, a tiny primary school to this massive high school. It was just a bit of a shock for me. Um, so then when I hit year nine, I just really, uh, when I was about to go into year nine, I just really wasn't doing well, wasn't coping that well with, I guess, 
teachers not knowing who I was and things like that. So um, mum and I made the decision to um, that I would transfer to Padua, where a lot of my primary school friends were. Um, it was a much smaller school down in Rosebud. Um, it was a long drive from Frankston to Rosebud every day, but my mum did it for me because I was just excelling at that school. And I guess I'm, I'm a much better in a smaller environment rather than a bigger, bigger environment. So in hindsight, like that was a great decision. Um, but mum was really insecure about being gay and also me coming into the school in year nine, not, not starting from year seven and um, obviously being a Catholic school as well. Mum, I remember driving to school on the first day and mum just kind of said, make sure you don't tell anyone that I'm gay. I was like, okay, no worries. That's just what we did for a few weeks until someone that I went to primary school with exposed, I guess, that my mum was gay, um, which was a really, really terrible time for me, like in that moment. Um, but I guess the response that I had from the school was actually incredible. They kind of sat me down and said, we don't want you to be insecure about this. Like, we don't want you to, to feel ashamed. Like, we're really accepting. I was just super lucky, I guess, that I had that kind of support from the school. Um, and she, like, the I guess the girl who exposed it kind of did it not to be nice, obviously. So she, she did it maliciously, yeah. Definitely. Um, and she kind of just, like, yelled it out and... Really? Yeah, I got into a fight with her about it. It was my only so, fight in high, uh, in high so school. What, so tell us the situation. Was this like in class or like... Yeah. Or she just stood up? Yeah, she much. just... Pre, yeah, pretty much we were in like an IT class in a computer lab. Um, it was probably my fourth week at the school. Um, I went to primary school with her, so I was quite familiar with her. Um, we didn't always mesh, but I just kept my distance. Um, but then... We kind of got into it about something so silly about boyfriends or something and we we're just having some words and um, then she goes, well, your mum's gay and like yelled it out in front of everyone and I remember the whole, well, it seemed to me like the whole class just stopped and stared at me and I got really angry. Um, I did, did not like that she did that at all because she did it to hurt me um, and I guess knowing that my mum could be used to hurt me sucked so I got into like a physical altercation with her um, <laughs> um which like I hate that I did that but I didn't have I was 15 years old I didn't have any other way to like handle my emotions at that time um and yeah we just kind of got separated I guess the teacher straight away like obviously saw and heard everything that happened so knew that it wasn't just like a, a random thing um and then that's when I got pulled into the principal's office and um, obviously got disciplined for the physical side of things, which is completely fair. But then, you know, just she sat down with me and said, look, it's not acceptable that, you know, she called you out like that. Um, that's not how this, that's, that's not aligned with our school values. We're super inclusive. We don't want you, you or your mum to feel like you can't be included or you have to be excluded for whatever reason. So that was a really cool experience. And I think that really just opened up my eyes um, to how accepting people can actually be, uh, especially at a Catholic school in the peninsula. <laughs> like it was, um, it was really like, it was an awful moment, but it really great things came out of it. Cause that's when I really started to open up about it. Yeah. That was amazing by that school. To, yeah. To just, especially when yeah, often like, yeah, you suffer so much in what you think is how everyone feels or what you, you know, 
you, yeah, like you know, your mum already kind of was fearful that that's they were not going to be like that. You know, don't tell them that I'm gay, and then to have that horrible altercation, but then to just have the school go, it's cool. Yeah, don't even worry about it. That just must have felt like just a weight being lifted off. Yeah, definitely. It was um, it was massive, and I guess that just that one conversation. It was probably like that. My, my principal probably had a thousand conversations. A, and that might not even be significant to her anymore. But to me, it's like one of the biggest turning points for me, um, especially like on this topic, because that's when I guess it was out. Everyone knew, everyone knew within minutes, I guess, it seemed like that my mum was gay. Um, but having yeah the backing of the school and then, you know, they had just a zero tolerance um, kind of policy around like gay shaming and things like that. Um, I guess like we did have some kids that kind of came out, you know, in that following year, which was really cool. Um, just, I guess, that whole shift. And I, I guess I'm not familiar with how the school was before I got to, I got there. Um, so I'm not sure if that was something that they'd been kind of pushing before I got there. But definitely once I got there, kind of shook th- I felt like I shook things up a bit. And yeah, all, f- all for the better. Um, Amazing. Yeah, in the long run. <laughs> when would that be, like mid, mid-2000s? Um, no, that would have been, yeah, 2009. Yeah. 2009. Amazing. Yeah. So that was like, you think that was kind of like your turning point, hey, where it just sort of started to feel like, hey, it's okay to be me and... I think so. I think it showed me that there's people who are going to accept you no matter what. I mean, it didn't mean that I wasn't going to get picked on anymore. It didn't mean that comments weren't going to be made, but knowing that I had like that higher level of support um, and understanding that was um yeah that was absolutely critical because like that was the first straight adult to sit down with me and say it's okay that your mum's gay like it's not a it's not an issue at all um obviously that had been said to me a thousand times but all by mum and her gay friends so I mean it kind of hits a bit different when it's coming from the principal who's straight and um is a very like she was an awesome role model so that that was a, a massive massive thing for me Amazing. Um, so tell us, like from there, sort of towards the end of school and, and beyond that, um, yeah, how, how has it all sort of gone for you in, in that term? Yeah, well, I guess like it's all overall, it's gone pretty well. I mean, I did still have issues in the later parts of high school. And, you know, when you're trying to figure out who you are, and then there's this whole thing around is. Um, homosexuality genetic or not Um, and then people obviously saying to me well because your mum's gay you must be gay and having you know it's hard enough trying to figure out who you are let alone having these things kind of put on you and it makes does make you question well you know if if mum was born that way why wasn't I born that way like it kind of plays with you a bit especially when I mean Teenage years were not my best years. Um, I don't think they really were for anyone. Yeah, anyone's best <laughs> <Yeah>. years. <laughs> um, but, you know, trying to figure out who you are, um, like what you're about, especially around your sexuality too, and then just having that imposed on you, like you must be gay, you must be gay, you must be gay, it like kind of messed with me a bit. Um, and I did get really self-conscious around, um, you know, if I did think there were any females that were attractive or if I did have a really close female re- uh, friendship, I kind of got really funny about it. So I generally just stayed friends with the guys um, because it was, I guess, 
reinforcing my heterosexuality, um, I guess, which uh, was a big shame I, uh, looking back on it because I probably missed out on some really great friendships um, because I blocked them out because I was insecure about being labelled as gay for having a, a female best friend or, you know, having a, a lot of female friends. I didn't want them to think that, yeah, I was... You going to gail gay onto them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it was... I don't even know, like, think, like, talking about it now, I feel so silly, like, saying that that's how I felt, but that's just how it was at the time. Yeah. And I was so insecure about it. Like, that was probably my biggest insecurity. Um, it was definitely my biggest insecurity, actually. And, yeah, just... You know, don't you don't want people to think that you're gay, but then I don't even really know. Like, I'm still tr- trying to figure out things on my own. Um, but you know, push through that. <laughs> and um, on the end, I mean, it's it's been so awesome. I mean, having a gay mum has opened me up to so many different things. I mean, we'd always go to pride events and things like that, and I just got exposed from a young age to all different types of lifestyles. And I think that that just made me a really tolerant person. Um, now, which I'm so grateful for. Like I used to spend my weekends at pride events with mum, like hanging out with drag queens and stuff like that. So it's really unique childhood memories that I've got. And then even still now being able to go to pride events, um, I guess pre-COVID with mum and just support her and just see her kind of in an, an environment where she is so open and free. Like that's, that's all I want for her. Yeah. So it's really cool. That's amazing. Um, yeah, so I guess through all this, um, and you sort of mentioned before this, yeah, like it's helped you sort of definitely in terms of tolerance, just see and accept everyone in the world. And I think when you are in that sort of situation where you're, I guess, somewhat a minority in some way, yeah, you you look at every aspect of everyone's world and be like, well, it's okay to be that. It's okay to be this. It's okay to do that. Definitely. It doesn't really matter as long as you're happy. Um, but you're also saying as well, like, I guess like your, your resilience and your sort of emotional maturity and social maturity and that is, is really strong now. Um, talk us through that in some way, like what, you know, and, and you are, like a, you're clearly a very just resilient, you know, kind, accepting, fun person and, and, and your emotional intelligence and that is so high, absolutely, just from knowing you for these last few years. Like you, you, you appear as someone who can manage pretty much any sort of situation any forms of like trauma and stress and that and you know even you know having conversations with you over the years through like COVID and stuff like that it's not been easy, easy for anyone but but I think the way that you've always talked about it and approached it has just been like a level of maturity well beyond like the age of 26 um yeah to tell me how that sort of shaped all that going through all that at that young age yeah well um I guess I, the biggest key for me is that I've taken away from this whole thing is just making sure that and being comfortable with people having their own lives and their own way that they want to do things. Um, as far as I'm concerned, as long as you're not hurting anyone, like do what you want. Um, and I guess I've had that attitude from, really young, from a really young age um, because I never really understood why my mum being gay affected anyone else, even me to an extent. I was like... At the, in the beginning, especially when I was younger, I wasn't bothered by it and I'm not bothered by it now. Um, you know, she's happy and that's the most important thing. And then just, I guess, reflecting that onto everyone else. And like, I'm, I like to think that I'm a really encouraging person. If someone wants to do something, as long as it's not going to impact anyone negatively, I'm always like, yeah, go for it. If that's what you want, 
go for it and do it. Um, so I like to think I'm, yeah, I'm pretty tolerant as a result of this. Um, there's not a lot like that people can say, I guess, to surprise me. Um, it kind of, I've, yeah, spent a lot of time with lots of different people, had a lot of um, exposure to, yeah, transgender people and um, you know, homosexual, uh, homosexuals and people who like to dress in drag and kind of everything in between. Um, and I guess that's just kind of, I'm, think, I like to think I'm pretty understanding of it. Um, I mean, it, I think it's great. Whatever makes you happy um, is just my biggest thing. Um, and I'd like to think that people would give me the same grace. Whatever makes me happy, just let me do it. Um, but yeah, just being, being tolerant and resilient uh, just pushing through kind of you know I still had to go to school every day even though I knew that comments were going to be made and things were going to be said that upset me and um, almost kind of trying to ignore it and just put on that happy face probably helped me be a bit resilient but I think it's really important being able to come home to mum and have have those com- like some of those conversations around this is what's happening and like what am I supposed to do even though we didn't have those conversations a lot um, we didn't really need to because I just knew that that support was always going to be there for me I didn't really have to say anything at all yeah and I think now through all of that that you experience you sort of seem like now that you're a person that I don't think it would matter what would be said now like nah. you wouldn't treat it as a reflection on you or your mum you'd just be like oh that's you yeah definitely you know, that's your opinion yeah if someone has a problem with it it's <laughs> not my problem it's not my mum's problem it's theirs yeah um and I mean kind of I like to kind of say well if you don't want to be a part of our life and our journey like shame on you shame for you really because yeah, yeah. um, I mean I like to think I add to people's lives and my mum definitely does too like she's an absolutely awesome person and her partner is the kindest person I've ever met so if they don't want to be a part of our lives too bad for them I guess yeah um, but yeah I guess it is funny I, when I started dating my husband and he kind of came into it and I've got my stepmom or my dad's wife and then I've got my mum and then I've got my mum's partner and he's ended up with three mothers-in-law. <laughs> uh, poor guy. Yeah. One's usually hard enough. Yeah. yeah. Now he's got three to worry about. Um, but you just kind of, you just, uh, now we just make jokes about it. Um, yeah, I'm often, like I said before, often joking with mum that how she says pregnancy made her gay and I'm like, that's not how it is mum. You haven't been pregnant for 26 years. So... <laughs> still gay <laughs> um and like just being able to yeah have a bit of, like have fun with it it's not a serious topic anymore um yeah it's it's really cool it's just so much lighter and um I guess it really helps me connect with people as well um when people have no matter what has happened in their past but when they have a different type of family dynamic I just find that we connect really well um I'm more than happy to like always you know I kind of start off straight off the bat by saying hey well my mum's gay, so, you know, we can connect on that and yeah. people just open up straight away. It's so cool just having that, yeah, even though that we haven't had the same experiences, knowing that we've had a similar experience just bonds you so much better than surface relationships. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I think to, yeah, to finish on, I think that, and this is why I sort of say it now, that anyone that is has sort of negative opinions and, and or behaves negatively towards someone because of something you know unique or different about them it's it's absolutely a reflection of their insecurity where like if they were in that situation they would be so insecure about it and that's absolutely not a reflection on you so whether you're 
parents are gay or you're black or you're Asian or you have autism or you have something that's in that minority amongst a group of some sort of majority, uh, to me, the way I see it now is it's just absolutely a reflection of someone else being uncomfortable and, and insecure about it and insecure in their own selves where they kind of have to point out difference in someone just to make them feel better or better about themselves. And and I think that when you are that person who... And everyone's got that some sort of minority part of them somehow in some way. And that we all have that thing that we're insecure about. I think if if you can see things that way when someone is having a go at you or or, or trying to point out what's different about you in a negative light, if you can see it in the way that what they're trying to do is just make themselves feel better for their own insecurities, then it can, it's just not a bother anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think the biggest key to me is just always making sure I've got the right supports around me. Um, I'm very selective with who I do and don't let into my life because if you're going to come into my life, you need to support me just like I'm going to support you. And um, I think just surrounding yourself with great people who have the same values and the same mindset as you and are as accepting as you are. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. And just, yeah, surround yourself with good people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You just, I think it's, yeah, it's about having that, that almost boundaries in a way of like, well, this is the type of people that we tolerate. And if you're not going to be a kind, supportive person to everybody, then like jog off, go somewhere else, yeah, exactly. either change your tune or jog off. That's like the kind of, uh, they're unsaid rules, but that's like the culture rules that we have at this gym, really. If you come in like a fuckwit, you either stop being a fuckwit or you fuck off. And that's yeah. <laughs> that's all there is to it. Yeah. And I that's think, it. I, I think those people generally kind of filter themselves out as well when they see that how they are is not like aligned with the community yeah. or um, whether it's a gym or work or social club or whatever, um, those people kind of filter themselves out and you end up with like just the bench, the best bunch of yeah. people yeah. Um, that you could ask for. Yeah. I think we find what's, and I'm looking up at that thing there, the wholeheartedness up on the gym. The I really love that that's one of our values because it's just about like accepting people for exactly who they are. And, and that's what it feels like when you do come in here. It doesn't like you come in and you know, most gyms you go, there's groups, there's the fit guys and there's the, the the young girls and then there's the awkward guys and the whatever. But here, it's like the old guy is chatting to the mid-aged mum who's chatting to the young guy who's chatting to the grandma who's like, it's always just this crazy mix and everyone's just happy to see everyone and it's fucking awesome. And it's I love so it. Good. Yeah. And that was one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on this chat is just to talk about like just just accepting everyone for exactly as they are. And I think your story is amazing. Thanks. Um, thanks so much for sharing that. I know that would have been pretty tough. Take a lot of vulnerability to just talk about that sort of shit. And like you said before, like you've never really gone to, and talked a lot about a lot of that. So it's probably felt like a therapy session for you. It did. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be back this time next week. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks so much for sharing, Kate. That was absolutely amazing. I think people listening will just feel even closer to you again for sharing that that was unreal thanks for having me oh wow like i didn't wasn't going to record an outro (laughs) a little closing summary for this but i just felt like i could not um like i said at the start just a beautiful amazing story kate's incredible um 
hopefully you had some tissues or something lying around otherwise you probably got some wet sleeves at the moment uh, but yeah just beautiful story I think the biggest takeaway or a couple of big takeaways from this is one obviously accepting everybody for who they are um, especially when it doesn't impact on you in any way um, is that's I guess an obvious one you know everyone's everyone in their own way and and that's just how it should be but I think also what I got most out of that story was that ability to be able to see something like this from a different perspective or you know putting yourself in someone else's shoes like I said at the beginning near the beginning of that episode I was brought up especially my my junior years as a a primary school skeeter pretty lucky a white kid in a nice town um, with some pretty comfortable people around didn't have much you know much things to worry about I was pretty lucky and because all of us in that area were quite lucky it was very normal as I told Kate that people would say off the cuff nasty things whether they were homophobic or racist or just downright nasty and it was just kind of brushed aside as as teasing and it's like ah, whatever no big deal but none of those people and a lot I'm sure a lot of people listening felt the same like often that typical teasing that really crosses those lines to you it's fine because you've never experienced the trauma or you know what it's like to be on the other end of it that receiving end and I think Kate sharing her story is just a really great way of just showing what it's like to be on the receiving end to to grow up and live what to yourself is a completely normal life and an acceptable life and a great life to live and then to have people come in and tell you that what you're doing is wrong or weird or stupid or or dumb it's 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 no wonder it would be so traumatic for for people whether you have homosexual parents or are of a person of a different color to what the predominant color is in that area it's yeah i think it was that's probably my favorite part of that story was just to hear that person's side from the other side and i hope when people do come across that kind of you know talk or behavior whether it's judgmental or teasing or whatever to just stop and yeah look at that side from a bit of empathy and go hang on you know what i might be saying might sound like no big deal to me but this person could probably be hearing that same bit of teasing for the 200th time um and i think 200 times down it might not feel like teasing anymore so yeah that's probably the biggest part i took from it i'm sure you guys all took something else as well but again hope you guys loved it send some love let us know what you thought um yeah great episode looking forward to next week ciao thank you very much for listening to the valor fitness nutrition mind podcast my name is Stuart cunningham if you enjoyed the episode please send us a like send us a comment share it with a mate give us a rating on the itunes or whatever you're listening to this on every little bit of support helps looking forward to bringing you some more stuff next week This is Bella.